HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen and izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I try to demystify it in this program, my cool guests. Guest today is Gaston Bechelano, who is the co-founder and CEO of uh, Bonsai Kakigori, which opened in April this year. And Kakigori is a traditional Japanese icy dessert. It is similar to snow cones, but is distinctly different. And it's a very nostalgic, culturally important food for the Japanese. So today we'll discuss how Gaston got into the world of Kakigori, why it is a great tool to understand the sense of Japanese culture, and why unique, uh, what unique items are on the menu at the Bonsai Kakigori, and much, much more. But quickly, we do, before we start, Japan is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. 
Also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at shvanis.heritageradionetwork.org or kikokatema.com. Now let's start a conversation with Gaston Betrano. Hello, Gaston. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So uh, it's such a kakigori day. Yeah, it's warm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish you had uh, some uh, bowl of kagiori, but I'll save for later today, maybe. Yeah. And so, uh, first of all, uh, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? I was born in Mexico City. Uh, I lived there until I was eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so growing up, I was able to eat very delicious Mexican food. Um when I was eating outside the home, I uh, was able to eat what you would uh, imagine Mexican food being. So tacos, ah. uh, enchiladas for breakfast, chilaquiles, um, and a variety of really, really delicious Mexican dishes. Mm. Um, at home, it was also very, very delicious. Lots of rice-centric dishes with a lot of spices um, and a lot of Mexican candy, which happens to be very spicy. Right. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shocking surprise. And and then you grew up in uh, after eight. Where did you... so after I grew, uh, I moved to Miami. Okay. With my family. Um, and Miami was a little bit of an extension of Latin America. So mm. many different Latin cultures moved to Miami. So then Mexico sort of became like Venezuela, Argentina, Colombia, ah. Ecuador, Uruguay, and started mixing a little bit of food from all those different. Uh, cultures right interesting Cuban also yeah then you usually I ask this question to trace something back between like Japanese and <laughs> non-Japanese thing it's like very interesting yeah but the common thing Japanese and Mexican they're both good food countries <laughs> yeah. yes I agree <laughs> so and you opened Bonsai Kakigori in Loai side Manhattan in April 2019 so what kind of work uh, experience did you have before opened the business yeah, so we opened the standalone brick and mortar in uh, April 27th um, of this year, but we had opened another location, our first uh, market location in Canal Street Market, mm. um, almost a year and a half now. Mm. Before that, um, so I graduated Tufts in 2017, and then I moved to New York uh, to start a job actually at IBM. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. <laughs> Doing marketing at IBM. Um and, you know, when I graduated to when I started the job, I had a little bit of time and that's, I spent that time traveling in Japan, mm. uh, came to New York, started my job at IBM, um, and then very quickly realized that it shouldn't, you know, wasn't mm. for me a little bit. Um, and then a couple of months later, we opened wow. the first little. Mm. So we'll discuss your, the calling in a moment. Uh, but uh, first of all, I think most of uh Listeners don't know what kakigori is. So what is kakigori? So kakigori is um, a Japanese style of shaved ice. Mm. Um, for a lot of people in the United States, they might immediately uh, associate it with, you know, something else that they've had growing up that has ice in it, like a snow cone. Um, but really, it's it's hard to describe how, how different it is. <laughs> um, but... It's a very delicate uh, sort of fluffy ice as opposed to this granular crunchy ice mm. that you get as a snow cone. Um, and in Japan, it's it's celebrated as a really important dessert um, that's been around since the 11th century. 
here on mm. Parody in Japan that's paired with these beautiful seasonal syrups right. uh, made from fresh, fresh, fresh fruit. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. Mm, because I think uh, Japanese summer is very humid and hot. So, even from 11th century, people wanted to cool it down by eating ice. Um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, snow cone, you can walk around as you eat snow cone. But kakigori, you can't. Right? You have to sit down because it's a huge pile of snowy, delicate ice. So yeah, it's nice to to be able to sit down and enjoy it. Right. Uh, it would be very difficult tra to transport this big mountain. <laughs> um, but there's also something really nice about just sitting down and being able to enjoy something without being on the go. Mm. Right. So, um, so it's an ice. How, how do you... Right. So what's more like detailed description? Like, say, you go to um, the shop, Kakigori shop in Japan. What happens? Like, what's served on the table? So, yeah, so my favorite, I, I guess I can describe uh, my favorite shop in Japan. Uh, it's called Pass the Baton in Kyoto, in, uh, in Gijon. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Gion. Gion. Mm. Um, it's this beautiful building uh, right alongside this really gorgeous river. You walk in, um, to the left-hand side, there's this like retail section with very curated clothing, and then to the right-hand side is a cafe. Mm. You sit down. There's a limited menu of like four to five flavors that change very, very often. And you order it, and then they bring to you this enormous like mountain of kakigori shaved ice mm. on this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ceramic bowl. Some of them might have little toppings on the side. Some of them might have um, a little sauce that you can pour on top of it. Mm. Um, but really what steals the show is this like enormous head-shaped bowl of ice <laughs> with different colors and different toppings mm. um that is quite intimidating when you first when you first see it right. <laughs> yeah but surprisingly nobody gets you know you don't need to run to the bathroom after that because it's so fluffy and the delicate ice that it's more like air piled up with ice yeah it's so fluffy right. uh so many people at bonsai uh see somebody get a large and they immediately like their eyes become like three times the size. So like, <laughs> what is that like mountain? Mm. Uh, but then I, I very calmly tell them that it's mostly very fluffy ice. That's uh, not, not, no, it's not so filling. Mm. So the difference between snow cone and is that it's served in a beautiful bowl vessels and uh, it's sizable, but delicate and it's topped with certain, toppings and syrups so what's the classic um flavors of kakigori so the ones i experienced when i was in japan were like just just like in japanese culture uh in japanese cooking culture like very seasonal uh fresh fruit so uh, for example when i first visited japan and was enjoying the kakigori i would be in tokyo and like melon was uh like extremely prevalent in that region, for example. Mm. And then I would go a little bit south, south of that and go to Osaka and Kobe and Kyoto and like peaches were more prevalent there. Mm. So just focusing on like very seasonal fruit. Uh, those are the classic flavors, so like mm. melon, peach, summer fruits, right. strawberry, cherry. So, um, so that is the idea of Kakigori. And when I grew up, like, you know, neighborhood... There's a nothing place. There's a flag 
shows ice and the blue and red color. You don't miss it, but um, I grew up with a really cheap version. The ice was fluffy and nice, but there's some chemical-colored syrup, which was good for kids because it's just <laughs> sweet and cold. But, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, so much better versions, and that's what uh, you are doing here in New York. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's delightful. So, um, okay, and uh, so how do you make the ice so fluffy? So the reason why the ice gets to, to be so fluffy in the first place um, is that the block itself is made from just water. Mm. So other variations of the dessert, like bingzu, for example, you shave, you shave ice, but the block is infused with milk so that mm. when you shave it, the shavings tend to be more like shaved ice cream. So when you take a bite, it melts in your mouth like ice cream. Mm. Um, so the first thing is having a block that is just water. Right. So it shaves it really, really finely. Mm. Um, and then the second part of the equation is just having the right machine. Mm. Um, there are certain machines that will shave an ice block uh, very granularly mm-hmm. that will mimic a snow cone. And there's certain machines that will shave it, you know, extremely fluffily. I don't know if that's mm. even a word, but very fluffy ice. Right. Um, and then it's just understanding how to use the machine. Mm. It's like an espresso machine, sounds like. Yeah, so uh, that's funny. We 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 talk to our staff all the time. Is kaki, making a kakigori is almost like an art. It is an art, mm. just like the art of espresso. Hi, um, yeah. So I, you know, like when I grew up, there's like a hand cranking machine, which is fun, and you try it as a toy, which is good. As a result, you can make kakigori by yourself. But I think it's really high tech, and I engineer now. <laughs> so so the machine. Um, kind of controls the pressure or the air amount of air or shape shape of the ice is that what it does so the machine controls really two variables it controls the pressure of the ice um going downwards so it compresses the this ice six by six ice block Mm. pushing it downwards and then the other variable that it controls is uh, the angle of the blade and how sharp the blade is. Mm. So if you're pushing the ice block, you know, harder down, mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, squeezing like uh, a fruit, right? Right. Uh, really, really strongly. Mm. You're going you're gonna to squeeze more juice out of it. Right. Um, and then if you start, you know, cutting that fruit, it's going to, you know, it's going to get cut really, really easily and very right. hard. Um, and the second variable, the blade, is is extremely important. So if you have a very uh, dull blade and maybe a machine that's not necessarily the best, mm. it's not going to cut that ice very in a very fluffy manner. Right. Um, so those two variables need to be playing in, uh, in the right way mm. so that the equation uh, gives you really nice fluffy ice. Right. Sounds like a Japanese knife and with an espresso machine combined <laughs> in one machine. Mm. Yeah, but are they expensive to buy? Uh, you know, relatively no. Uh, a machine can run you like maybe like two thousand mm. dollars, whereas an espresso machine is far more expensive than it's that. Like I've, I've seen, I think fifteen thousand dollars or something <laughs> for Mazako kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are <laughs> quite quite pricey. Right. Um, yeah, but I've seen uh, if you uh, Google Amazon Japan, they have home electric kagiori machine too, so you can actually buy it for your home. That's what I did initially when I came back to New York. Uh, and I missed Kaikigori so much. I <laughs> ordered a machine to my apartment, mm. much to the anger and dismay of my roommate. 
because the machine took up like half the kitchen because <laughs> the New York, you know, New York kitchens are so small. Right. So like, you know, back, 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 uh, back then my roommate Max mm. was like, Hey Max, you know, I'm getting this machine from Japan. Is that okay with you? I straight up shot him a text. He's like, yeah, no worries. That's totally fine. Him probably thinking that it was like this small machine. <laughs> and then like come like the next two weeks, he like walks into the apartment after work. I'm like playing with the Kakigori machine. <laughs> and he sees this monstrous blue machine taking up like half the counter. He's like, is that the machine that you told me you're going <laughs> to? Like, yes, don't worry though. I'll, I'll make you Kakigori. Yeah. And he's, he was kind enough not to, not to be too angry. Right. Well, he must be really happy today or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so that's the kind of, I don't know. And I've seen kakigori in New York City at several restaurants, not the, you know, specialized uh, shops or anything, but I started to see kakigori in several Japanese restaurants or the cafes. So what do you think about that? It's uh, Do you think people love it? I hope so. Mm. Um, I love seeing other people do kakigori. Mm. I'm a big believer in a rising tide lifting all boats. <clears throat> so I know the... The Intersect by Lexus um, in Meatpacking just released their summer kakigori. Oh. That's both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Interesting. W- it's wait a delicious. minute. Oh, so by, by the way, just the, you know, the, the Lexus, uh, what's the name again? The, the place. The Intersect? Yeah. So that's by uh, Union Square Hospitality Group. Yeah. Like uh, the theme changes, chef changes, it's kind of like interesting um, themed restaurant. So sounds like that trendy place features a kakigori. That's a very interesting yeah. thing. I mean, it's wonderful when a company like Union Square Hospitality Group right. chooses to release this pop-up of kakigori. It really right. validates the dessert. Right. So that's that, you know that's great for us well, and great for the concept. Uh, and maybe the you inspired <clears throat> them. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well, I keep hearing since you opened. I I keep hearing more about kakigori. So you definitely did something right for the world of kakigori. Um, but you said uh, the alcohol. Infuse like a sauce on top. So they're doing they're doing two versions. They're doing they're doing a uh, an alcoholic version of mm. kakigori. They're doing I think two flavors, and then they're also featuring those flavors, I believe, without alcohol. Interesting. Mm. That reminds me of Mexican margarita. Yeah, that would be a great flavor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe a future flavor. We're 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 uh, trying to get our liquor license at Bonsai mm. in the Lower East Side. So hopefully in the fall we can offer right. a margarita kakigori. I've never seen any uh, kakigori with <coughs> alcohol sauce, like alcoholic sauce on top. So that's really a um, good idea, right? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm sure the crowd on the Lower East Side will, will enjoy. Right. Well, that's, a, that's the thing about whatever comes to America, hit the land, that the old concepts become something more interesting and exciting. So, yeah, I really appreciate that, this culture. Yeah, I think we're excited to... to Yes, like offer different flavors, but also make sure that we're respecting the dessert and where it comes from at the same time. Mm. Okay, um, let's take a quick break here and then when we come back, uh, I'll want to discover how you discover that classic <laughs> style of kakigori. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Koring, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. 
Koin is part of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. The knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Koin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Koin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit koin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Katema, and my guest today is Gaston Becerano, who is the co-founder and CEO at Bonsai Kakigori, which opened in April this year. So now let's talk about your journey with Kakigori. So how did you get into Kakigori? You went to Japan, and I, I want to know from why did you go to Japan in the first place? Um, so I had a period of time before I was going to come to New York. My job started in October. And I graduated in May. Mm. Um, and I decided to do a little bit of traveling. And I think, you know, there's maybe two versions of several versions, but maybe like two different versions, which is go to a lot of places and spend a little bit of time in each place and get to see a bunch of places. Or uh, go to one place, spend a lot of time in one place and really get to see that place. Mm. And I always was intrigued by Japanese culture. I took a couple of classes about Japanese economy and Japanese culture in college um, that sparked my interest. There was a little, little flame. And so I decided to opt for that second option of travel and spend a large part of that time in Japan mm. before I came to New York. Right. So, and uh, how did you stub stumble on Kakigori? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was traveling in Japan when it was really hot in the summer and just was walking. I think uh, So... The, the first time I had Kaikigoi was eight days into my trip. I was in Kanazawa mm. in the, I think, I, I hope I don't mis mispronounce it, but the Omicho market, mm -hmm. the food market in Kanazawa. And I was walking along and um, I just like, it was paradise for me. Like it was a food market in Japan. Mm. So I love food and Japanese yeah, food's delicious. Yeah, that's an awesome food market. I went there. Oh, and fantastic food Yeah, market. you can yeah. spend hours and hours. Which is what I did. I spent like an hour <laughs> and a half eating my way through the market like just a ton of fish and like, you know, Japanese food and these oysters that they were grilling. And then I was like, you know, had some nuts and some dessert <laughs> and I was extremely full. Um, and I was going through the market and I was like, you know, what would be really nice right now, like a smoothie or like something really cold would be like fantastic. I was super hot, really full. And I see this, this older gentleman sitting down like a couple meters away from me, uh, eating something that looked very icy. Uh, which was a kakigori. Right. And, and I looked at him. He looked like he was just absolutely loving what he was eating. Like he was oh. eating it like in slow motion. So I went <laughs> up to him. And I was like, hey, in English, like just, you know, out loud, not not cognizant that he probably didn't speak in any English. I was like, hey, man, like, what are you eating? Like, where can I get what you're eating? Mm. And he looks at me very slowly and like says something in Japanese. I don't understand what he's saying. Mm. And 
like we do a back and forth of him telling me in Japanese what he was eating and me saying like I'm sorry I don't understand what you're eating <laughs> please tell me like what you're eating and then he gets like visibly frustrated like stands up grabs me by the arm and then walks me across the market and takes me to the place they're making kakigori <laughs> awesome <laughs> um and then actually ends up paying for it and i had a mango kakigori wow which was nice i like experienced japanese hospitality and kakigori at the same Holy, time yeah. so it was a nice nice first experience <laughs> I, I hear it. that happens often in japan right people just decide to just all right let me just do it. What do I can do for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's crazy. Nice. So there was a. So how was that? It was a classic style kakigori? Yeah, it was a, it, comparatively to the to other ones I've had. It was pretty bad, <laughs> to oh. be honest. Uh, um, it was a mango kakigori, uh, which like just hit the spot at that moment because it was super hot and I was full. Um, but yeah, it was you know regular kakigori uh, with. Um, it, it was kind of granular, just had one syrup that sort of tastes artificial, but very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was my first experience. And then slowly from there, I started to realize that it was such a like uh, staple dessert mm. in the summer and started seeking it out at like other cafes um, <laughs> and started to sort of learn that there were cafes all around Japan that were doing it at a very, very high level. Mm. So you traveled around Japan, right? And how many days did you spend? So I was in Japan for like two and a half months. Oh, okay. Wow. That summer. Three huh. months. So. How many kakigori did you eat? Oh, my God. Like more than 100. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So you can probably like make a ranking of what's the best. Like your favorite was a Kyoto one you spoke earlier, right? So the, my favorite one was Kyoto, but that was... I only had that one the second time I visited Japan mm. last summer. Okay. Um, that first trip, my fir- my favorite one was in Yanaka in Tokyo. Mm. So at a place called Himitsudo. Mm. That was my favorite one. Yeah. So what's special about the Akakiori? So it was like three days before I was going to leave Japan. And somebody had told me about this place in Yanaka. Mm. So I show up. They're like, you should show up early. Like there's going to be a big line. So I go at like eight in the morning, eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> I like hoping to, I'm like I'm so I'm like feeling good about myself. Like I'm gonna beat the crowd. Like this is gonna be great. Uh, I show up and there's like a three hour line already. Wow! Like huge amount of people lined up because it's like, you know, dead of summer. It's so hot, um, and I'm like, well, I'm leaving in three days. Like I might as well line up for mm. this place that people tell me so good. Um, and I line up and. I had a, they only allow you to have one kakigori because there's such a weight. Mm. Um, and the place itself is just, you know, super rustic. They're using like hand crank machines. Like you walk in and there's like a line of like six or seven machines cranking mm. at once because there's such a demand for kakigori. Right. Um, and the, one, the, the flavor that I had was a, uh, a melon kakigori. Um, and what was so delicious about it was they... First of all, the ice is like extremely, extremely fluffy, mm. like so, so light. Do you think because it's a hand cranked or? Yeah. I mm. think that's one of the variables. They actually use, uh, they harvest the, the ice that they use from a lake in Hokkaido. Oh, wow. And then bring it uh, to Tokyo and they mm. like store it in their freezers. Wow. Uh, so they use like really natural, uh, extremely clear ice blocks. Mm. And the kakigori that I had was um, the melon kakigori, but it was sprayed with this like uh, like a condensed milk concoction of some sorts. Mm-hmm. So the outer layer had like uh, sweet condensed milk and then you poured the melon syrup and it was just unbelievable. Mm. By the way, the condensed milk is really one of the classic um, 
you know, the juice, like uh, the sauce, historically, traditionally. So it makes sense that they use the spray. But you don't use spray traditionally. So it's really kind of like highly engineered version of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but ice is really, right? That's really the main um, taste that you have. Mm-hmm. So ice is good. It's like whatever that works. Yeah, it's, it's a, a perfect vehicle for flavor. Mm. So it's like a blank canvas uh, that absorbs these flavors so so well mm-hmm. and so if you do these flavors well uh they sort of just punch you in the face right if you know if it's really fresh fruit you get a big punch of mm. of grapes of melon of peach right, right. in the face because it's such a good vehicle for flavor hmm. i'm curious though the kind of melon um was that a watermelon or just a it was a green 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 melon, melon. Yeah. Green melon is very popular in Japan yeah. as a very high-priced item too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't too expensive. It was really expensive. Yeah. It's like twenty dollars for this guy. Oh wow. Yeah. Worth. I I think it's worth it. Some mm. people. Yeah, because they have to ship the ice from Hokkaido, which is already you have to pay for airfare. <laughs> so, okay. And uh, so I, I'm definitely I will try to go there next time. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have to wait. Uh, Three hours in line. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, well, it's worth maybe it. Maybe I'll try like October <laughs> or sometime later. Um, okay. And uh, so why did you decide to open a kakigori shop? That's like a big leap. So I I didn't necessarily like really fall in love with, with kakigori itself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so when I was traveling in Japan those three months, um, I would visit these kisaten uh and just like you know like many other things about japan i fell in love with how i felt in the kisaten mm, so maybe you can define quickly what the kisaten is sure so it's a japanese like coffee tea house mm. and they serve a variety of different food they serve tea they serve coffee they serve like small dishes right and some of them might serve desserts mm. uh so there's kisaten that, that end up serving kakigori right and they are usually kind of nostalgic and very obsessive with the quality of what they serve. The yeah. Kisaten. So, so one of the things I, you know, generally I just fell in love with how I felt. And I started to get frustrated because I would go to all these kisatens and I'd be, always feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So it got to the point where I was like, why am I feeling so good? Like, what's, like what is going on here? Like, <laughs> why, why do I end up like smiling every, every time I go to these places? And it really was, you know, if you break out, break down the experience of a restaurant, it's uh, the customer service, the hospitality, the food, and the ambiance. Mm. And those are, for me, the four key tenants, right? And they were doing those extremely well. Like, it was really nostalgic. The ambiance was super cozy um, and very welcoming. Mm. Uh, their hospitality, the omotenashi, was, was just so nice for me. Like, I clicked with it right away mm. um the customer service was fantastic right and so of that's course a, the food product was great but the word omotenashi we keep hearing it but i think uh, by definition it's a service but they don't expect any return by serving you so that's kind of it, even it's cool not to be unnoticed even that's the mindset so yeah yeah but, it just feels very from, from the heart right it just feels like they're doing it because making you happy mm-hmm. makes them happy Right. It's not a transactional feeling. Mm. That's like the guy who took you to the first kakigori place. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so where are we? So the kisaten. And then, so you decided to open uh, <laughs> a kakigori place. But 
Not for the sake of opening Kakigori place. Just wanted to reproduce the omotenashi. Yeah, so I always wanted to get get into restaurants. I always loved the fact that you walk into a place, they do a little bit of magic to you, and you walk out feeling better. Like I just love the psychology of restaurants mm. and everything that goes into it. Um, when I came back to New York, I was very excited to find a kisaten because New York has everything in the world, mm. and I didn't sort of quite find that same uh, place um, that I you know experienced so vividly in Japan. Um, so it was a sort of a combination of really missing the dessert and wanting to get into restaurants and wanting to recreate that place both for myself but also for people to experience. Mm, right. So, um, yeah, um, by the way, well, we're going to discuss deeper about um, the concept of your place. But you have a business partner, uh, Theo Friedman. So who is he and how do you did he join you to start the business? Yeah, so Theo... Uh, went to Tufts with me. Mm. He's two years older. And uh, when I came back to New York, I um, started reaching out to people that worked in the restaurant industry. So so Theo is a extremely, extremely talented chef who worked at, um, you know, really high-end restaurants, WD50, Mm. um, one of them, and then started his own catering company, Theory Kitchen, in New York. Um, So I started talking to him and we met and he's like, yeah, like, what are your, you know, what do you want to do? He asked me, like, what do you want to do with restaurants? And and he's like, and I said, well, short term, I'm thinking about, like, this kakigori idea. Long term, I want to open a restaurant. Mm. Um, and he's like, what, like, what's kakigori? <laughs> <laughs> and then I started telling him about what it was, showing some pictures. Um, and I said, like, you know, I actually have one, of, you know, a machine in my house. Like, you should, like, come and, like, try it. That was mm. the first time we met. Uh, I didn't know him at Tufts. Oh, really? Yeah, we, like, got coffee. And that was the first time we met. And I was like, hey, you should come over and, like, I'll make you this dessert in my apartment. <laughs> He's like, he probably thought I was crazy. Um, and then a couple of days later, he came and uh, he brought some sauces. I made the dessert and we like combined it. And that's how we started talking about mm. uh, starting something with kakigori. Right. Huh. So he's a WD-50 grad. That means he's very scientifically, you know, um, advanced and yeah. analytical in approaching food. So... He may be upgrading some sort of classic version of kakigori sauces. Right. So that's a good partner. Yeah, no, he's great. I don't know how to cook. So mm. <laughs> um, all the flavors that we have that I think are apps, all of them are absolutely delicious. Um, you know, all of them we, you know, we can attribute to Theo. Like very, very talented um, and just very thoughtful about how he develops flavors. Mm. Um, but also, you know, generally he, you know, he had experience in restaurants i didn't coming mm. into new york um so a lot of what i learned about how to you know open something with restaurants mm. i learned because of him right. uh, so like you know all the way from like how to organize your inventory to how to like as funny as it sounds like sweep the floors properly mm. <laughs> he was able to sort of show me a little bit of how to do that right. um so it's not just the flavors that he contributes to bonsai there's mm. you know a lot more um that he does that make bonsai what it is right now yeah i was wondering though because the your menu items are very well kind of written up and i was curious so that's theo um so let's talk about what's on the menu so what kind of kakigori do you have on the menu yeah so <clears throat> we split our menu up in two ways uh, classics and seasonal mm. so the classics stay on the menu and then the seasonals fluctuate with the seasons um on the classics we have strawberries and cream um 
the coconut lime crunch, matcha mountain, mm. uh, this delicious flavor of espresso peanut that is really salty and, you know, has these really strong notes of espresso. Mm. Um, and my favorite from that menu, the banana miso maple, which what? is delicious, <laughs> has some good umami, really, mm. really salty, which I like, and has this delicious banana milk. Um, mm. And then the seasonals, the summer seasonals, which just, just came out last Tuesday, um, those are top notch. I think those are his, his best batch yet. Um, we have an Arnold Palmer, which is my favorite, um, a raspberry rose, blueberry cheesecake, uh, caramel corn, and lychee watermelon. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the Arnold Palmer and the caramel corn are, yeah, they're good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when I want to have them, like, for a week straight, you know, and I, I have unlimited access, so, like, <laughs> you would think that it would die down in demand for, for yourself. It, they don't. Like, I want to have them right wow. now. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully, you're going to keep it in the menu for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to get there soon to taste it. Um, but, for instance, um, you know, that, is that the one one item? You have four ingredients, right? You just said Arnold Palmer, blueberry, and uh, I mean the caramel corn. And it's how does it look like? Yeah, so it's five. It's ten different flavors, five yeah. classics, five seasonals. Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Um, so the Arnold Palmer itself is one oh, okay. flavor. Oh, wait, 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 okay. So it's for, for that one, for example, is half lemonade, half black tea, mm-hmm. um, poached peaches, uh, whipped cream, and then a peach ginger jam. Right. Ah, oh, the ginger, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I was curious, is the coconut lime crunch? So what's the crunch part? So the crunch part is toasted coconut. Mm. Uh, so it's coconut flakes with some agave and salt. We bake right. them and they're some really nice texture. So how do you come up with these items? Like you discuss it in a certain theme, like it reminds me of the season or childhood memories or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of both, to be honest. You just nailed it right there. Um, it's what, first of all, I think the way we approach flavors, and I'm sort of speaking for Theo here, but uh, it's just trying to make something that's delicious. Like, mm. you want to take a bite out of a kakigori and just close your eyes and say, oh, my God, that's really good. Mm. So that's the first sort of goal that you want to hit. It's like, does this, is this delicious? Mm. Um, and then when we think about flavors, it's, is that going to be one of the best menu items that we have up there? Mm. Like, does this deserve to be up there as opposed to this other menu item? Right. Um, and then the third one that I like to think about is, is that menu item going to be the best menu item, period? Mm. Like, if there were 400 kakigori shops in the United States, yep. is that menu item going to beat all the other 400 menu shops? Mm. Um, uh, and then, you know, once though we think about those parameters, then it's like, okay, what... Uh, do we find delicious and what is seasonal? Uh, mm. So like peaches right now are, are awesome. Uh, he, you know, I, I haven't asked him, but I'm sure Theo likes Arnold Palmer's. Mm. And then he brings it to me and says like, what do you think about this? And I take my, my, I have the best job when it comes to flavors. He just like makes everything. Then I get to taste test it and say like, <laughs> yeah, I think we should add this. And I think we should add that. Mm-hmm. And so for the Arnold Palmer, I tasted it and I was like, you know what would be great in this flavor? Some poached peaches, like nice. right in the middle. It's mm. so like you, you start digging at the top and then once you start getting a little bit, you know, tired of the, the black tea and the lemonade, mm. uh, you, you dig in and you find the poached peaches. Right. Um, so that's... It's a, to me, it's how inspiring is it that Theo doesn't know the original kakigori in Japan. So the, he has a very fresh view to it and he's elevating the flavor experience. So that's such a great thing happening 
I, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's nice when you're not tied down by previous experiences or expectations, and you're sort of free to create something. Mm. <coughs> um, so the how you know um, I understand you really have deep insight into Japanese culture according to a conversation before, um, and uh, so what would you like to communicate to New Yorkers? Yeah, bonsai kakigori. Yeah, I think first of all, I really appreciate it. Uh, that's so kind for you to say. It would be, uh, I think, uh, naive of me to say that, you know, I've taken two trips to Japan and I've got to experience such great uh, moments in that country full of, of like rich culture. Um, but I, you know, I still think I am nowhere near like having a deep insight of Japanese culture. Like I'm somewhere in the periphery and it's such a rich and uh, and deep culture um, that I would be lucky in my lifetime to sort of really try to like crack the nut and experience it fully. Mm. Um, uh, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but some people can spend years and years in certain country, but you never crack that. Yeah. Right? I, so... and I don't think I ever will. Uh, I can just experience the perfumes and enjoy it. I think to answer your question, what I would like people to get from Bonsai um, is just exactly what I felt at the Kizatens in Japan is this sort of extremely welcoming and uplifting environment. Mm. Every time I left one of those Kizatens, I felt a lot better and my day was improved. Mm. Like the word that I sort of came away from those experiences having is being uplifted. Mm. Like I just felt better, more energetic, happier. Right. Uh, and that is what I want to communicate to people about bonsai. Mm. Um, so that when they go in, hopefully they leave away feeling a little bit more uplifted. Right. That reminds me of the word uh, ichigo ichie. It's a kind of like tea ceremony term. So um, there's no more opportunity like this exact same situation. You can came here in this setting. It never happens again. So I'll right. do best to make you happy, yeah. give you the best I can get over. So that sounds like what are you trying to do? That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's go right? Um, yeah. So who are your customers and uh, what their favorite items? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, we have. You know, it, it's New York, so every single type of person that you can imagine. Mm. Uh, I think there tends to be a leniency uh, to like more of an Asian population mm. that is more uh, aware uh, about this dessert. So <laughs> like there's more of a prevalence of shaved ice in Asian countries. So like Bingzu and Taiwanese shaved ice mm. <clears throat> and of course Kakigori. So I think the largest demographic that comes to bonsai is, is Asians because they're more aware of this type of dessert. Mm. Uh, but we'd also get, you know, ton of tourists, ton of New Yorkers who uh, who want to experience it. Um, and it's, it really varies. Um, the most popular item though is the strawberries and cream. Mm. Uh, and I think the reason is twofold. I think one, it's delicious. Actually, maybe three. One is delicious. Two, uh, it's a, you know, a, just sounds extremely refreshing and and yummy. Mm -hmm. You want to order that flavor. And three people are coming to bonsai, um, for the first time experiencing kakigori. So they're already like at a discomfort, not mm. in their comfort zone. And so they look at the menu and they say, you know, they see strawberries and cream 
and they say, okay, okay, I can latch onto that idea. Like right. I feel comfortable ordering mm. something that is strawberries and cream because I, I know I've had that before. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of my favorites too. It's mm. also really, really yummy. Right. Yeah. It's like a pizza margarita, right? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Like it's a good test. And also you feel comfortable. It's such a comfort food anyways. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And then one thing that you told me earlier is that um, kakigori is very simple, but... Um, that's why it's, it's uh, such a representative dish to feature seasonal flavors of ingredients, which is the key word for Japanese cuisine. And um, yeah, I think that it's like a simple thing can show, it, it can be a medium to show omotenashi. So mm -hmm. yeah, you really got it. I'm so glad I learned a lot from you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so um, why, what's the appeal um, of your kakigori to New Yorkers because yours look very beautiful, right? Kind of like, um, I think Theo made it almost like a cake or something, very elaborate look. So, is that something you try to make it visually appealing to New Yorkers? Uh, I don't think so. I think it the, the kakigori itself just naturally happens to be very visually appealing. Mm. Um, uh, no, uh, you know, we tried to make it, like I mentioned, as delicious as possible. Mm. Um, if one of the flavors has, happens to be more visually appealing than the other, uh, that's, that's great. Um, as a very talented chef, you know, a component of serving really delicious food is also that it, it's presentable and that looks appealing. Mm. So I'm sure Theo, when he plates things, is also thinking about how to make it look beautiful. Right. Um, but it's not necessarily like a driving force on how to build the kakigori says, you know, how do we make it look the most visually appealing possible? Mm, right. Okay. Um, also, uh, you have a uh, few store locations. So where are they? So we have three locations where you can get kakigori. So mm. you can get it at uh, Canal Street Market mm. in Chinatown, um, at our store in the Lower East Side on Stanton Street between Ludlow and Orchard, mm -hmm. and at Smorgasburg on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Mm, okay. I'm sure the Smorgasburg is really selling now. Yeah, season, no, right? it's busy there. Yeah, happened to go there like uh, last weekend, and it's mostly there really food selling. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted the kakigori. I didn't see yours though at that time. Really? Yeah, oh. maybe I missed it. I was with a bunch of other people. So, anyway, so what is your plan? My plan, um, as it pertains to bonsai, I think my plan is to make sure that we are creating the best possible experience for people. I think we're still quite a way from being at the point where we want to be. Um, and if we can feel like we are, like I mentioned, creating those moments of uplift for people mm. consistently all the time, uh, and we're doing well, uh, then we can think about then you know in the future we can think about a second mm. a second point right. uh, but shake shack didn't open their second location until five years um until they had you know huge lines and they were able to consistently put out an experience that was great mm. so until we can figure out how to make people feel great every single time um and feel like we can do it you know well with two locations mm. then we can think about the second one right well I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So where, where can we find your updates online? So you can find us um, at Bonsai Kakigori on Instagram. 
Uh, so that's just at Bonsai Kakigori. Mm-hmm. And also our website, bonsaikakigori.com. Awesome. All right, so good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming today. So, uh, and please keep, keep us posted. I will, absolutely. Yep. So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikotaema.com. Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.